This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today, leftists start to realize the consequences of open borders, debunking a CNN hit piece on the Texas abortion law, and the White House wants to redefine the word recession. I can't imagine why. We'll get into all of that and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez, today joined by the one and only owner and founder of Ripiverse Comics, Eric July, mm-hmm. uh, who also, I, are you still, are, do you even have time to still YouTube? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fitting some videos in okay. here, here and there. It's obviously about the product, which works for me, I guess, as well. But, yeah. <laughs> Give him a double dose of yeah, it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, <laughs> a, again, this guy is like, I don't know why he keeps showing up <laughs> with all of his success of this new, uh, uh, just entire universe. Um, I don't know, I don't know why, what you, why you're here but we appreciate you being here. Um, also joined by Stu Brickier, host of Stu Does America, which you can find here on Blaze TV as well as on YouTube, which you should be subscribed to. I know why you're still showing up. Uh, uh, yes, although I would like to take this time to announce my new graphic novel project. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's coming. I don't know what it is yet, but uh, donate now. I know. I'm like, <laughs> the hell am I doing with my I life? I want to grow up to be been Eric July. Yeah. I should have been a comic book nerd. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so I want to uh, to discuss several different things when it comes to illegal immigration. Uh, get y'all's take on them. Number one, the Biden administration apparently intends to offer some illegal immigrants a temporary ID card that could eventually be used for travel on domestic airlines. This is called the ICE Secure Docket Card Program, and it's just funded with a cool $10 million uh, for the in the, the uh, fiscal year 2023. Um, and they want to allow non-citizens to access immigration files and documents. Um, the card will ostensibly be offered to illegal immigrants awaiting the final decision of their status. This is according to two government sources who, you know, they've got to be anonymous right now, but this is what they're reporting that they intend to do. It's going to include the, the illegal immigrant's name, nationality, and a QR code. So that's, um, that's great. That's awesome. By the way, uh, there is a new report out from uh, New American Voters. Uh, this is uh, boasting 5 million immigrant voters, it says harnessing the power of naturalized citizens and uh, that they're converting millions of economic migrants, they say, into Democratic-leaning voters for the 2022 election. That's awesome. That's, that's really great. So, nothing, but there's nothing to see here. They're not, look, they're not allowing all of these people to come into our country because they have some crazy idea that they're going to eventually allow them to become citizens and then allow them to vote in elections because that would be silly. And by the way, it is not what they're already doing in New York, allowing them to vote in local elections. Definitely not. There's nothing to see here. It's all uh, just conspiracy theory because, of course, 
uh, I am a conservative and uh, very racist and bigoted and, and xenophobic and all the phobics, right? I'm more intrigued by like the outcome of this because as we've seen over the last, especially like four or five years, there's been a more kind of cultural shift from that demographic, you know what I mean? More specifically South American like immigrants and uh, where they're starting to sway. It's not to say that they still don't slant themselves to the Democratic Party uh, when the ones that do end up voting, but it's not as absolute as it has been before. And I think that's due to a number of different things. Uh, um, however, still you have the economic consequences of all of this. And this is why I say all the time, Look, it doesn't matter where you are on the subject of immigration. The reality of it is still the reality of it. You can choose to ignore it, but it still has a set of consequences that even Eric Adams, of course, is acknowledging now. Which, which we will get to. Which, it's a beautiful clip. Which he's having. He, you can see it's, it's, it's difficult for them to do that because they look short-sighted. That's what it is. It's like they can't see beyond what they see in front of them. Like, so if they can be distracted or distract themselves, whichever way you want to put it, with, okay, hey, kumbaya, this is all great. This benefits us. This benefits people. And then when faced with the economic reality, you're like, well, maybe there are some infrastructural ideas that we didn't maybe consider or think all the way through that we're having to have to deal with mm -hmm. right now that in some cases, in a lot of cases, it ends up backfiring on the people that have generally supported you. Again, where you what, how you feel about immigration is irrelevant to that. Demographics are a thing, and they impact your economy depending on what way that you certainly look at it. So with Eric Adams coming out to admit that, and they're still kind of banking on this demographic benefiting them politically, which you can still say is the case, I'm just not sure how long that's going to be the case. Maybe it is only temporary. Mm, yeah, I mean, first of all, I was told that if you suggest that the reason why they ha they're allowing illegal immigrants here and trying to get them to vote is because of elections in the future, you're a racist. Mm -hmm. I, that's what I was told. Mm -hmm. And then we have multiple organizations here admitting it as like mm -hmm. their mission statement, which is kind of interesting. Um, but to build off what, what Eric was just saying, there is this, back in 2008 or 9, there was a book written by um, a Democratic strategist that was describing the Republican Party as a, they're going to be a regional party from now on. Um, this is, uh, it was a, it was the end of politics, right? It was the end of this two-party system. You, the Democrats had won. They were at the point where they could win with a candidate like Barack Obama. And now these uh, demographic changes were going to lock in. You're never going to get enough, uh, you know, white voters to switch from the Democratic Party. You, you know, all the people who were minority voters were going to vote for Democrats. And this was going to lock in this Democratic majority for the foreseeable future. And the Republicans might win a state here or there, but they'd never be able to compete on a national scale. That was 2008. 2010, the biggest wave election in 100 years for Republicans, right? <laughs> like, it, this stuff does change. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen a massive change, I think, among uh, particularly Hispanic yep. voters when it comes to the way they're seeing the world. And a big part of that is what happened during COVID, mm -hmm. right? Like, they realized that, wait a minute, we are not aligned here. We might be aligned on certain things, um, but we're not aligned on this. We're, we're seeing... They're, you know, people who grew up in Central America, who had relatives from Central America, saw what happens when a government gets too much power all over this region. They've been hit with it over and over and over again. And they don't 
They came here to avoid that. Mm-hmm. And now they got here and they're, they're seeing it. They saw it in, in, in spades during, the, uh, during COVID in particular. And there's just a le- like there's a there's a situation where when you get 80 and 90 percent of the vote for a decade or two, you start to take people for granted. And that's what they've done. They've shown no ability to change the lives for the better of, of people uh, in these communities. And the one real situation change we've seen was when Donald Trump was president, yeah. as he would point out multiple times uh, <laughs> over over the campaign. Correctly so. Right. Yeah. I mean, like we, we did not see economic progress like that for these communities uh, for you know what half a century. So it, it, I think. These things aren't locked in. It's it's silly. I think sometimes even conservatives will get to this point. Well, 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 you know, we, some people, conservatives, I think, fight the immigration battle on this idea that, well, we can't we have to stop immigration from coming in because Democrat, right. Democrats will get all these voters. I don't think that's the right way of looking at it. Mm. Our ideas are better. Yeah. Right. And and Hispanics will recognize that as African-Americans will, will, will recognize that if if we express them right. And these ideas work as well as we think they will. And I think over time. You know, we win that battle. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, in the short term, sometimes these things might might bite you. But I think, you know, being encouraging to people who are coming here for the right reasons, not illegally, Mm -hmm. but for the right reasons to build a business, to build a better life is is a really is a good idea for Republicans to be uh, behind. Uh, And at times, I think we go off track on that. Um, Well, last week we heard uh, D.C. Mayor Bowser talking about all of these immigrants who were being uh, bussed there. And she was like, well, they, they're being tricked and they shouldn't be bringing them here because they might want to go to other places in the country. Like very clearly, uh, we love illegal immigration until the brown people show up on our doorstep. Here's another example of that. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who uh, was again complaining about shocking the negative impacts of illegal immigrants uh, who are being bust and show up in New York City. Watch. And we can't have uh, the historical, um, I believe people should be housed, but just don't house them on my block. Everyone blocked, everyone's block is going to be impacted by this. Mm-hmm. And so we have to add our advocacy uh, with our uh, ability to help our neighbors. And we need everyone on board with this, you know, because uh, as I stated last week, our schools are going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our health care system is going to be impacted. Yep, sure will. Uh, our infrastructure is going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're willing to do our job, and we're going we're to do our job, and we're going to need all New Yorkers to be with us on this. Uh, I think he's complaining about the 5,000 illegal immigrants that have been bused there. Wow, 5,000. That's a bunch. Come back to us when it gets to the millions. Uh, Last week, by the way, Mayor Adams uh, kind of accused Greg Abbott and Doug Ducey over in Arizona of being cowards. He said, our country is home of the free, land of the brave during a news conference. He said, we do not become cowards and send people away who are looking for help. That was okay. land of the free and home of the brave. Well, it's, this is coming from Eric okay. Adams. Don't think he knows that very well. Uh, Greg Abbott, by the way, tweeted back, Mayor Adams should address his frustration with migrants to the root cause, Joe Biden. I launched our border busing mission in April to help our local communities. Biden has flown plane loads of migrants to New York. The problem is not Texas. It's Biden's refusal to secure our border. Couldn't agree more. Gentlemen. I just like I said, it's just they are starting to see kind of the ramifications and the consequences of such 
a policy. And this is where even with other libertarians, like I kind of go back and forth with because they like to think that demographic change is like it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's just that you can just not even from just an economic perspective, but you can get cultures that are incompatible and stuff happens when that type of reality sort of sets in. This is not like, every, we're not robots is what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that you, you can't just treat it as like a one size fits all and even as you, you're gonna get these Beltway libertarians who, you know, up in DC and all that and they think that, well, uh, they never seen kind of what those consequences are, though they certainly will complain about it when it does end up on their doorstep. And this is why with immigration, you have to be able to have an honest conversation and not be shy or scared. Chicken crab is more so what a lot of these Democratic politi- politicians are when it comes to uh, like immigration. They look at it like, well, demographic change isn't a, isn't a thing. You know what I mean? Even though they will make sure they get as far away from them certainly as possible when they, where they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he mentions that when Eric Adams says this can't be one of those things. Hey, bring them over here, and it can't be on my. Bl-. That's him projecting because he he knows and he knows that a lot of those elite types. That's exactly what it is that they're saying. Exactly that. Like, hey, oh yeah, kumbaya, everything's fine. We'll we'll tell we'll house the immigrants all that we got plenty of room. Wait a minute, that's a little too close to to my community here. We can't be having having all of that. So until people want to have an honest discussion about it, that even if it's uncomfortable, you will acknowledge that reality, be it economically or culturally, then you're going to get exactly this. And this is a bunch of doofuses running basically themselves into the ground because they want to signal to people, which is just weird. It's very weird. Uh, very, very <laughs> weird. And, you know, it's, it's true. It's like, no, they, they try to make this about race. It's not about race. Like we have, we there. I've 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 heard that there are several Hispanic people in Texas. Um, <laughs> a few maybe, of us. maybe a few. <laughs> yeah. um, so like we 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 live among Hispanic people, and they do great things in our community, and they it's we have a good relationship, right? Like we have a very we are sitting right now in the most diverse city in America right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like twenty five percent of four of the four main categories <laughs> right here in Irving, Texas, um, and, and and life is great. You know, it's not about race. It's it's about uh, st- uh, legal status, and it's about uh, at some level cultural and economic status as well. Um, and, and, you know, there's two sides of this. Like every, we always say, hey, we'll, we'll boss them up to you guys and you deal with the issues. And there are lots of negative issues that go along with a group of people who have come here claiming asylum on very sketchy grounds with no uh, relatives, no support system, and just looking to the government. There is going to be impact, just like Eric Adams correctly laid out there. But on the other side, there's this idea that the, the left wants to say areas like Texas, like Florida, like Louisiana are all hateful uh, areas that don't care about illegal immigrants, don't have these programs and policies to take care of them because we're evil conservatives and we don't like those things. So if you believe that, why would you want illegal immigrants to come to Texas? You have told us we're racist against them and that we don't have any programs to take care of them. So you should want them to come to New York, to California, to Illinois, uh, to all your liberal bastions. And you, with all your wonderful, glorious government programs, can take care of them. Because as you know, we don't have those programs, nor should we. 
So it, it's this, it's funny. Like they say, they're this this is humanitarian mission mm-hmm. going on. Yet they want all these illegal immigrants to be sent to areas where they say they will be treated in an, in an inhumane fashion. Mm-hmm. It does not make sense. Along with all of their other arguments, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we've got to uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with more. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Patriot Mobile. So, uh, look, we had some really big wins on the Supreme Court this past session. It's worth mentioning that these wins did not happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile. They have been passionately fighting on behalf of the unborn and our constitutional rights and literally putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to that. They are America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they have been on the front lines fighting for your values. So look, uh, if you want to vote with your dollars, this is one great way to do it because they have the same nationwide coverage that all the other carriers have, uh, but they're going to give you not only a better price, you also will know that you are giving your money to a company who is fighting for your conservative values. You can go to patriotmobile.com news. Use offer code news to get free activation. By the way, if you're a veteran or first responder, you will save even more. So let them know over at patriotmobile.com news. CNN recently ran a sensational story about a Texas woman who they say was forced to carry her dead fetus for two weeks after miscarrying because of state abortion laws. The woman, Marlena Stell, claims that her doctor made her get multiple ultrasounds after discovering her baby had no heartbeat and then still refused to remove the fetal remains due to state law. Watch. An ultrasound at seven and a half weeks showed all was well. But at an ultrasound two weeks later... She said, there is no heartbeat, there is no viable pregnancy. Stell asked her doctor for a standard treatment, a surgery to remove the fetal remains. She says her doctor refused. That surgery, commonly known as a DNC, is the same procedure used to abort a living fetus. Even after that second ultrasound, mm-hmm. would your obstetrician give you the surgical procedure? No. No. Stell had to go get yet another ultrasound showing her dead fetus. Joining us to discuss this story is our very own attorney general here in the state of Texas and, in my humble opinion, the very best attorney general in the country, Ken Paxton. Ken, I have a I've read the abortion law and I could tell you how I understand it, but you're the expert here. Can you please explain whether the law prevents women from undergoing a DNC procedure to remove fetal remains? Yeah, nothing could be further from the truth. CNN, uh, you hear about fake news, that's pretty much fake news. They failed, you'll notice, they never interviewed the doctor. Mm. This, was a, this was a doctor's decision not to do the procedure, but the procedure is not outlined by Texas law. And so this was a, a very um, slanted story that didn't direct at the right place, which was the doctor, which I think he made a really poor decision. Yeah. So when it comes to the law, uh, General, tell me what are because I've read it, but there are specific exceptions, uh, especially when you look at the statute of what the a definition of abortion is. Um, can you tell us what those exceptions would be? Yeah. So the life of the mother and then medical conditions like this one and top and a topic pregnancy and other things like that, that that you have to deal with. To, to protect the mother, and, and in this case, the baby's deceased, and so there's definitely anything like that where, you're, where you've got the, the, the baby is deceased, that certainly is a procedure that can be done, and anything that, that is done to save the life of the mother is, is certainly protected under Texas law. 
Have you heard of any, your office, have you guys heard of any of cases like this where doctors are just refusing care? No, this is, this is a, in my opinion, a made-up story. This is a, a doc, you'll notice, again, they didn't interview the doctor. It, this would have been a different story if they had the doctor in front of a camera and asked him, why did he not do this? And if he, if he made some legal opinion that this was violation of state law, clearly we would have challenged him on that. But they didn't interview him. They kept him secret and made it seem like, you know, all doctors are doing this. That's just not true. So there, so, so then there would be, because that was going to be my next question, would there be legal ramifications for this doctor in the event that this doctor would have uh, denied someone medical care? Not legitimate legal ramifications. You know, in, in any state, you can be sued by anybody for anything. Very true. And you might have to go to court to, to say, hey, this is a crazy case. It needs to be dismissed. But in this case, if the doctor for some reason was sued by somebody for doing this, this procedure, I think he'd quickly win in court because there's nothing wrong with this procedure uh, being done by any medical professional that's licensed to do it. And then, and then just to clarify, uh, General, because, I, you know, again, I keep going through this story. It just seems very perplexing to me because she says she got the ultrasound. It confirmed no heartbeat. And then her doctor said because of state law, she had to go get multiple other ultrasounds to confirm what the other ultrasound had already said. Um, and in reading through her Twitter uh, I also, she mentioned that those other ultrasounds had to be performed by different facilities. I didn't see any of that in the text of the law. Did I miss something? No, you, you got it exactly right. This is all made up. Uh, I guess it's designed to confuse people and make them think that what she's saying is in the law. Um, but it, ask anybody that has read the law and they would tell you that that's, that's completely false, completely wrong. And they're just making this up. Yeah. Um, well, uh, General, I, um, I really appreciate all of your hard work here in the state of Texas, specifically with this uh, abortion law. I guess we should I guess we should consider ourselves a little bit blessed that we have all of these activists, whether it be the doctor or the woman making these stories up because they're only <laughs> doing that because you've done such a good job. <laughs> Well, you look, I, I am so grateful to the legislature for passing these laws. We, we've been fighting for life since Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. And my, my office had the chance to file the amicus brief, and we led the 24-state coalition. With, and then if you had in Mississippi, 25 states, asking for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. And, and I'm really grateful that my office had a significant part of that and that we are now able to save literally thousands of lives across this country. Um, I got one more question for you uh, before I let you go. So I saw after the Roe v. Wade, uh, the, the, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, um, you mentioned that there was a difference between the opinion and the actual uh, decision and that there, were, there would be maybe some moving parts once the decision was actually handed down. Has that happened yet? No, I mean, it, you, you have to give the other side a certain amount of time to appeal. It's like, I think, 25-ish days. And then the law says within 30 days of that decision, uh, it goes into effect. So if we're, we're getting really close um, to, to getting to that, to that date, uh, my guess is by the end of uh, this month, we'll be really close.
Awesome. And uh, Stu's got a quick question for you as well. Yeah. Obviously, Texas uh, initially passed a different law where they, you know, that was sort of a novel approach to limit abortion to six weeks. Uh, And then obviously we had the Dobbs case sort of uh, paving the way for, uh, you know, a full ban with only a few exceptions that we've mentioned. Uh, does that what happens to the first law? Does that uh, stay in place? Is that still part of it? Because I know now we're seeing, you know, places like California, Gavin Newsom trying to use that type of approach to go after the Second Amendment. Where does the where does that first original law stand? So it's still in place. It's it's just it was a little more generous six weeks, whereas now it's it's banned from. I mean, all abortions are banned unless they, they fit one of the exceptions. So. Uh, it's still in place, but it, it's it's not really going to be effective uh, because we have this more strict law that goes into effect immediately. Would it be something that we that would would eventually be um, repealed, or does it just stay, stay in no, effect it, and kind of? It doesn't really. Uh, it, it really shouldn't affect much of anything. I, w- I would guess this this trigger bill uh, is is going to override that because it it covers all abortions. Uh, as opposed to the, the the heartbeat, which went into effect after six weeks or when you could detect a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So it can stay in place, but it doesn't really have the impact that it would have had had the trigger bill not gone into effect and Roe v. Wade not been overturned. Mm. Uh, well, General, uh, again, we always appreciate you taking the time to join us and appreciate all of your hard work. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. Uh, all right. Before we take a break, we've got to thank our sponsor, Sweat Block. So sweating's gross. Nobody likes to talk about it. You know, people show up with like the big pit stains here in Texas because we're in Texas and it's 10 billion degrees out. If that's you, if I'm speaking to you, you're like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's me. And I'm really embarrassed about it. You got to try Sweat Block. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. They have the traditional deodorant and antiperspirant wipes uh, that can work for up to seven days per use. You're going to get a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweat Block doesn't keep you dry, you will get your money back. We have tested this out so you didn't have to because my husband uh, uses sweat block. He uses the deodorant, but he uses the wipes, which are really, really the key. They really do control that sweat. And by the way, uh, for those of you who are like, but sweating is good for you. You have like a ton of different glands all throughout your body. You will still get your toxins out. I promise. You can try it risk-free today. Save 20% with promo code news at sweatblock.com. That is sweatblock.com, promo code news. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. just heard from Attorney General Ken Paxton. It turns out Texas abortion law does not prevent women from receiving medical care after a miscarriage, which I, of course, was able to confirm myself in about two minutes just by reading the text of the bill and Texas statute. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday that the story really comes down to two options. Someone is lying or someone is very stupid. Uh, Marlena, the woman who says this happened to her, found my tweet about it Guess she was searching her own name. Hmm, wonder why. Giving Marlena, a YouTube personality, the benefit of the doubt, I asked her to come on this program to expose the doctor who refused her care and could have killed her. 
After all, if you want to protect women's bodies and women's access to medical care, wouldn't you want to make sure no more women are put at risk due to medical incompetence? Well, I'm sure you all will find it shocking to hear she refused to come on this program, nor would she expose the doctor who she says must have just been scared or confused about Texas law. She then proceeded to spew the typical rhetoric you hear from abortion activists because, well, she is one. Here she is saying, maybe stay out of my uterus and the decisions that belong to me and my doctor. Oh, you mean the doctor who you just said put your life at risk? Huh, interesting. Here she also says, there's ways to solve having fewer abortions, free health care for moms and children, paid maternal leave, and access to birth control. But they're voting against all of that. So they're not actually pro-life. And the solutions are right there in front of them, but they don't want to hear it. So here we are. Hmm, interesting rhetoric from someone who's totally not making this up to push a political agenda, right? Right? Well, ultimately, Marlena refused to out her doctor who could have killed her because she said laws have effects, whatever that means. You know what else has effects? Making stuff up to further a political agenda, Marlena. Gentlemen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly has uh, consequences there. This is just, I think, kind of where we're at culturally, where a lot of folks go look to chase kind of putting themselves at the forefront of some particular activism. And I hate that about everything because now activism has become more lucrative than it ever has certainly been. And that, you talked about them being a YouTube personality. Of, of course, that benefits them if that is their career that they want to certainly pursue. Now, that does not mean that just because you have that as a, you are personality, you can't have whatever political or social uh, positions it is that you have. Of course you can. But don't get it twisted. There's a lot of people out there that put that certainly at the forefront of what it is that they want to do. And yes, they are willing to as I say, Eddie Guerrero tactics, lie, cheat, and steal mm -hmm. in order to put themselves in that uh, general position. And I hate that it's come to this because you, in that month, you, you broke it down plain and simple. And that is that if you do care about saving the lives mm -hmm. of other people, uh, these safe and effective abortions that you think that you have an absolute right to, you would think outing that doctor would be number one on your list. Because you'd be saving lives here, right? Yeah, what if he, what, what, how many people is he going to go on to do that exactly. to? Exactly. But that's not what you care about at all, which is why the CNNs of the world and everybody that's covered it have been so vague about who's involved and what actually took place here. That's because you don't really care about that bull crap it is that you are certainly talking about. And this is not just something that is exclusive to the abortion uh, thing. We see it about various other forms of activism. We see uh, what the biggest and black activist group has done over the last uh, four, four or so years and how they got away with the loot with a lot of what they do because they don't actually care about that crap it is that they claim they advocate. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. so much misdirection going on here. I'm glad you called her out on this. Uh, you know, she, you're right. She would come in and just say, hey, I, this doctor did something terrible. He's a terrible doctor. Obviously doesn't even know the law of, of his practice. How can he be practicing medicine at all? Um, but this is what they do all the time, right? Like, I mean, you know, we saw this uh, with the 10-year-old who was raped, this terrible, terrible story where the media only cared about 
one little slice of the story. They didn't seem to care about a 10-year-old being raped, that the, 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 the rapist was out there free, that he was an illegal immigrant, that his mom or the mom of the child seemed to be like, eh, you know, not a big deal. A kid's fine. Yeah. Very strange home situation that maybe we should look into mm -hmm. a little bit. All they cared about was the travel, the what? Uh, the, the Uber ride was the big part of this story. Uh, and, you know, the, it shows their agenda. I mean, look at, I, I can't tell you how many stories I have read from major publications, New York Times, Washington Post, all the big ones, who have done step-by-step -step instructions to tell women in states where abortion is banned how to get them, how to avoid the law, how to go to out-of-country uh, institutions that will send you abortion pills against state law, advising women hmm. how to go around the law. When I don't remember seeing a New York Times explainer on how to get an illegal gun if New York mm. New York cracks down on your Second Amendment rights. Mm. I don't remember them ever doing something like that. They are so dedicated to this. It is a it is their life, their passion. It's seemingly all they care about. There's a lot of stuff you can negotiate on. You can't negotiate on the right to, to end the lives of, of a child. And I, that, it, the passion that goes along with this for them is, is just utterly incredible to me. But the, the agenda is clear. And they're, they're, they've, they've been very transparent through this process. They are not doing journalism. They are not attempting to tell you the truth. They are telling you what their opinion is and then building the structure of credibility around it mm -hmm. to try to make people believe and give people you know, a clear conscience yeah. for supporting these things. Uh, you know, it's wrong. Just be honest with them. Yeah. Uh, well, on the topic of getting pregnant and abortion, uh, Kamala Harris, in an interview with a YouTuber, discussed this, guys, this is a really, really big problem that we have these days of women getting pregnant. What? You know, listen, women are getting pregnant every day in America. <gasps> oh, no. And this is a real That's... issue, and we need to act with a sense of haste oh, mm. what? about what is at play, what is at stake, and codifying Roe. Oh, okay. Mm. I, I just, my favorite part of this is how she's acting like this is another COVID. Like, this is just a virus. Yeah. Women just, they, they go to the grocery store, yeah, they breathe sometimes in. Sometimes it happens, and then you, oh, wow, you no. got you pregnant, right? I'm pregnant Slip like that. I had no idea. And then next thing you know, you got a baby. <laughs> it's uh, a big and, problem. And it is. It certainly is. <laughs> and it's, it just goes to show how crazy these people are, demonic, rather, and how they talk about this very subject. Like, she said that, like, Casual too, like yeah. well, yeah. People getting pregnant every day. And we need to figure out <laughs> how we can. It? Yeah, well, we, we got to figure this out. Definitely, we got to codify certainly a way that they're guaranteed to be able to kill that child any event that happens. Like, wait a minute, Kamala. Like, can we not at least address the actual issue here? And that is maybe there are people that are going about ridiculous ways or hedonistic ways mm -hmm. uh, and they are ending up in unfortunate situations that maybe they rather not have. And maybe that's something that we can talk about no matter what side of the aisle that you are to try to, let's say, prevent that. I think the medicine or the science that you tell us to trust so much has caught up with that and figured out several different ways, ways that I didn't even know that I learned about that you can avoid getting pregnant without <laughs> aborting your child. So let's talk, let's have that discussion, but they immediately jump to the 
we well, we need to make sure that they're able to kill their child. And it's like, man, y'all are really on the wrong side of this. And you say we're on the wrong side of history all the time. I Just to add to Eric's point, that does, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, what, the, a couple weeks ago was like, we got to get rid of all of these crisis pregnancy centers helping women when they're pregnant, showing them what's in their body. They're tricking them. Yeah. Well, this is horrible. I mean, it's funny because, you know, your, your uh, online nemesis here that we were just uh, talking yes. about, made that sort of point was like, well, yeah. if you actually cared about life, you'd have this program and this program and this, this program. Well, that's what the crisis pregnancy centers do. <laughs> right. They provide all these services you're talking about and they want all of them eliminated. Right. Uh, and look, you know, life is a big issue. I, and we have a lot of passion about, you know, I, I got a hell of a, I could go off on taxes right now. Uh, I know Eric can, <laughs> I know Sarah can. Like we could all sit there and I could talk to you about taxes all day. And but like life is a bigger issue, right? Like, and if you guys, they always say this. They're always like, "Oh, you well, if you you want to get rid of abortion, well, then then we're gonna have to give uh, health care for women as they're pregnant." And it's like. Your terms are acceptable. What, what, what do you, what, what, where do I sign this? Like, yeah. I don't like that. I don't want a government program to deal with that. But if I could save 65 million children, like, I'm on board with all sorts of crazy parts. Uh, what project do you want to, what, what bridge do you want named after you? I, 100% I'm in. I will name it after Ibram Kendi if you want. I don't care what it is. Like, this is a big issue. And it's not about, it's not, it's not about certainly protecting the, the, the uh, a, a fetus that has died. No one's saying like, we, no one is saying that at no. all. And as she pointed out, she said like, uh, you know, the typical, U, hey, U.S. out of my uterus. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense when your whole argument is you want someone in your uterus yeah. taking something out. So I just feel like the whole point here is these, these ideas that have been argued forever, and I honestly thought would never be solved and probably will never be fully solved, have come a long way. We are now to the point where we can actually have the arguments, mm -hmm. where instead of just being blocked at every corner by Roe versus Wade, we can now say, look, we believe here in Texas this is the right way to do it. You can do it that way. I don't think that's the right solution when we're talking about life, but it's a heck of an improvement. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got uh, more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Moms for Liberty. So uh, if you are worried about the alphabet soup education going on in this country right now, you got CRT, DEI, SEL. Where does it stop? Moms for Liberty is where it is going to stop. In 18 months, They've grown to over 200 chapters in 37 states. Moms for Liberty is dedicated to fighting for the survival of America by unifying, educating, and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. They're holding leaders accountable, working with them to replace them with liberty-minded individuals, spreading an awareness and an understanding of the limited role of government, and they stand together against government overreach and intimidation tactics. Guys, these are the people who during COVID said, we're not going to let you do this to our kids. Get the masks off of our kids. Stop teaching them about LGBTQIA+. Stop teaching them CRT. You've got to stop. These are our children, not yours. By the way, they were started by two moms, former school board members, who saw behind the education curtain. You have got to visit their website. Okay, they are building an army of moms who are joyful warriors fighting for the survival of America. Go Join. If you are a parent, you need to send a message that you do not co-parent with the government. You can go to momsforliberty.org slash Sarah. Just join them. Momsforliberty.org slash Sarah. Last week, the uh, White House blog posted an article titled, How Do Economists Determine Whether the Economy Is in a Recession? The article read... 
What is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessment of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data, including the labor market, consumer and business spending, industrial production, and incomes. Based on these data, it is unlikely that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year, even if followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. This is very convenient timing because the GDP report is expected uh, Thursday, this Thursday. And um, look, I feel like they're not expecting good news and just trying to maybe set the stage and change people's expectations and be like, that, but that's not a, that, look, that's not a true recession. You gotta, you, you gotta look at some other factors here. As we've previously said, a 17,000 straight quarters <laughs> of negative GDP is not bad at all. Uh, that is uh, very typical, right? They're trying to get out ahead of it. Um, they must, they probably have a good indication as to uh, as what the number is going to be, as they usually do, and they're trying to get out ahead of it. And look, you know, it's always been shorthand. It's not, you know, shorthand of two quarters in a row. It's, it's always been sort of the way you talk about it at the time. Because, the, what, yes, there is an official determination made by the government later on when we enter a recession and when we exit it. But it's always in retrospect. They're always looking, you know, they're six months later looking back and saying, mm-hmm. okay, we went in on this date. So to understand what's going on at the moment, People have always used this this uh, this understanding of two negative GDP uh, terms to go with, w- to figure out when a recession, generally speaking, is occurring. And this has been the policy of the media, importantly, for mm-hmm. a very long time. They always talk about it this way. This has been the way it's been going for a very long time. They want to try to reverse this now. I mean, this was a massive problem for previous Republican presidents. Uh, George W. Bush had a big bout of this type of a situation that went on. But even bigger was his dad. His dad, after coming off of an 80-plus percent approval rating, wound up losing an election less than a year later because he was in the middle of two negative GDP quarters, which wound up being an almost insignificant recession, a, a blip on the scene uh, as far as the economy went. But he lost the election because of it, because the media was telling everyone all the time how bad everything was at that point. Uh, the, the media didn't care back then about the very specific definition from economists. They cared about a way to sink a Republican president. And now they're seemingly doing the opposite with a Democratic one. Yeah, well, their economists are all hacks anyway, and I wish people would stop <laughs> listening to them. They're a bunch of Keynesians that have they could, don't know right from left when it comes to uh, economics anyway. They talk about this business cycle. I can guarantee you it ain't the Austrian one that they're referring to uh, by any means. Boom, bust. They don't know anything about that. Uh, difference between a recession and a depression. Uh, certainly, good good luck on them. They use that term to demonize whoever they can. Certainly, at the time, and they'll avoid it in the event that it demonizes the people that they're, let's say, in power, like we have right now, which they can't really run away from. That people know the economy is in a let's say bad position, let's say that. Don't care what you call it or what you claim that it certainly is, and it has a lot to do with the thing that they won't even acknowledge, and that certainly is the Fed. So until they do that, I don't know why anybody's listening to them anyway. You know what you're paying at the pump. You know what you're paying uh, at the the grocery store. You know how much your goods have certainly gone up or how they've gone down. In this case, of course, they've gone up. 
Believe your own eyes. Yeah. You don't need some idiot who went to some Ivy League school to learn a fake form of uh, economics in the first place to tell you what it is that we are certainly in. So it's interesting to see that they're going to pull this jet out again. Oh, well, it's not really that. No, economy's doing OK. It's doing OK. It's doing like, you know, it's at least stagnant or whatever. We're certainly not operating at a loss here. No, it's screwed up. A lot of y'all had a lot to certainly do with it. But until they're honest with the American people, I don't see that the American people are ever going to be like, well, not us, us. We, we yeah. can kind of find it for the charade that it is. But there are going to be those idiots who look to them and say, we need the economists to tell us what exactly is the situation going on with the uh, economy. And I was like, well, it's bonehead people. And this is why they shouldn't be allowed to vote. Amen. Um, all right. So before we take a break, I do want to remind everyone there is a, a, a special that we have over at Blaze TV. It's for Blaze TV subscribers only tomorrow night. It is called Uncensored, a COVID-19 vaccine discussion, which isn't actually the real title, but the real title we can't even tell you because we'd get banned for even telling you the title of our special that we can't air on YouTube because it violates their uh, all of their guidelines. So make sure that you are a subscriber. You can save $20 with a promo code UNSAFE if you go to blazetv.com, that is promo code UNSAFE. You are not going to want to miss it. It is myself along with uh, Steve Dace, Daniel Horowitz, who have been like really deep into all of this data, bringing you all of the receipts. And of course, uh, an interview that I had with Dr. Peter McCullough. You're not going to want to miss it. It is promo code UNSAFE over at blazetv.com. We'll be right back. Yesterday, uh, Jill Biden was heckled while getting out of her car, and she responded by pretending bizarrely somehow that the, the hecklers were supporting her watch. Your president is the worst president we've ever had. Hi, thank you. Thank you, hi. This is so good. I just, I, you know what? Couldn't happen to a more deserving person. That's Karen from the cul-de-sac, right? Getting out of, <laughs> except she gets out of the Subaru and then does that. Thank you, yes, that's, that's great. Touching, special, yes. All that was missing as the reporter. What'd she say? Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe she shouldn't have compared um, Hispanics to breakfast tacos. I don't know. Indeed, everyone knows you compare Hispanics to dinner tacos. Everyone knows this. Breakfast tacos are, I will say, she was saying that they were unique. I don't, I'm, I am Hispanic. They're not unique. It's just eggs Yes, I can get the, in the frozen tortilla. food aisle. Yeah, you always compare unique. Hispanics to dinner tacos every, <laughs> that you make fresh. Everyone knows this. Uh, things are not going well. There's a, there's a guy on, I know we've got a couple, what, 30 seconds left. There's a guy on Twitter, I think, or no, Instagram. It's Shaney Rich, and he does these man-on-the-street videos in L.A., and he, so he talks to a lot of minorities, a lot of, of black people, and he asks them, what would you say to Joe Biden if he were here right now? And they're the best videos. Oh, boy. Because they're just like... 
kiss my ass. Like, <laughs> they are pissed. They're mad. It's so good. I encourage oh everyone oh to go watch those. Uh, gentlemen, thank you guys for being thank here. Thank uh, Steve, Aaron, Todd, and uh, don't forget the vaccine special coming up. It is only on Blaze TV. You can use promo code UNSAFE to save 20% on the subscription. Just make sure you watch it. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.